Hello, I'm Joel McLeod. And I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the 905er. This episode is our final interview for 2020. We still have two more episodes planned, so don't worry, we aren't going away anytime soon. However, in keeping with our plan for more uplifting and positive stories to close out the year, we took a look around us. Right now, we are in the middle of Hanukkah, and as you know, the Christmas season is in full swing. It's a time where we ought to be spending it with our families and friends, making memories to last a lifetime. But that is impossible this year, for reasons that we are all too well aware of. For the majority of 2020, we have been separated from each other. An emergency of global proportions is not something any of us predicted or prepared for. It can be overwhelming for a lot of us, and in times such as these, we often look to our faith communities, our friends and families to get us through it, but not this time. Much like the rest of us, our places of worship have been forced to embrace that all-encompassing word of 2020, pivoting. We reached out to two leaders in our community to hear how they've pivoted to adapt to the challenges as well as what lessons are to be learned from the pandemic and maybe what perspective we need going forward. Rabbi Stephen Wise is from the Shirai Beth El Reform Synagogue in Oakville, and Reverend Stuart Pike is from St. Luke's Anglican Church in Burlington. Both of them join us today to share their experiences with their respective congregations and how COVID-19 has reframed their perspectives on what is most important in this world. Before we begin our chat with Rabbi Wise and Reverend Pike, both Roland and I would like to take a moment to extend our well wishes for our Jewish listeners for a very warm, socially distant, and happy Hanukkah in whatever form it might take this year. Thank you and enjoy. Hi, just Roland here, adding a quick note to Joel's introduction. I uh, wanted to note that Imam Abdullah Hatia, the Imam of Halton Mosque in Burlington, very much wanted to join us on the podcast as well, and uh, indeed had intended to be there. Unfortunately, a technical issue uh, intervened, which prevented him taking part in the conversation, which was entirely our fault and not down to him. Uh, we will hope to have him on a future podcast at another date. Uh, welcome, uh, Rabbi uh, Stephen Wise and uh, Canon Stuart Pike to the podcast, uh, and for joining us today at um, what's a very busy time of year for for both of you. Um, we wanted to invite you onto the podcast just to kind of at the end of what's obviously been a difficult year for so many to um, ask you how it's affected you as both religious and community leaders. Um, and the kind of challenges you faced and maybe also some of the more positive stories that may have uh, come along this year and to uh, uh, kind of have a conversation around those things that maybe will be a, a bit more uplifting for people as we go into or as we are already in the uh, holiday season. So um, just to go right back to the beginning, I mean, as, as religious uh, leaders, what were your thoughts when uh, COVID first hit um, back in in March, really, when we're talking about Canada. Uh, uh, Rabbi Wise, maybe we could go to you first. Um, it's been a, kind of a wild ride. Uh, you know, Judaism, uh, as we talked about earlier, like all faiths, is, is is built around community. It's built around people coming together and doing things in person. And uh, you know, for generations, that's really what it's been about. And so, uh, at the time when people needed. Uh, community and faith the most, uh, that's when we were forced to to shut our doors, which we've never done ever in the history of our synagogue. 
and uh, it was a real big challenge at the beginning. People were calling, asking what we're going to do. Are we going to, how are we going to change? How can we adapt? And um, I guess a further technical difficulty would be that Shabbat is mainly a time to not be on your computers and you're using all the electricity and all the technological things that we use on the regular week. That's Shabbat supposed to be a time to get away from that. Uh, especially within the more orthodox communities, uh, you're supposed to shut everything down uh, right when sundown happens on Friday. So to sort of adapt to a new world, a new situation, uh, required a lot of uh, thinking, a lot of experimentation, and you know the Jewish community, with even within it, uh, has a little has many layers. You know, so as a reform rabbi, our more liberal community. We were able to adapt probably a little bit quicker. Uh, I've used some technology before in our synagogue. We have some screens up and we have, uh, we've been doing these uh, call-ins on Shabbat once in a while. So we do use technology if we have to for Shabbat and we kind of embrace the community aspect of, uh, of Zoom, let's say, and, and other formats. So I remember that Saturday morning, uh, instead of getting in my car and heading to synagogue and, and starting services, I walked downstairs into my living room and I pulled out the computer and I said, okay, I guess I'm gonna just leave it here. And I sent out the link and I was like, I have no idea how this is gonna work. And um, we had, uh, our, our movement has been so great. They've been like putting every resource imaginable on the net for us, all free of charge, like our prayer books, all those sort of copyright laws and all the kind of things that could hold us back. They just said, let's, this is a new world. We're just gonna put it all out there for you. So I had access to all these tools and I opened up a Zoom meeting and there we went. Uh, you know, I was worried about Zoom bombers. I was worried about some of our, let's say more senior people or non-technological <laughs> people, how they were gonna handle it. Are they gonna have to phone in? And could they, you know, those early days of Zoom when you like, you saw people's chests or you saw their feet or you saw the sky and, uh, you know, <laughs> and the muting and unmuting and all the kind of fun things. but. At the same time, we were there, like we were together. And uh, I remember the numbers of people logging in were astounding uh, at the beginning. And I was I was comforted by that, knowing that people need a place to reach out to, got online, and were able to at least access uh, those services in those early days. There's almost a, a kind of uh, reassurance in, uh, in in overcoming the technical technological difficulties that it's it's almost like an ex, an adventure of sorts I guess. Uh, Canon Pike, I should point out that I've known Canon Pike for quite some time. So if I start calling him Stuart, that's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to treat everybody the same. So <laughs> but uh, so uh, Stuart, let's just go with that for now. Uh, what was your experience? Yeah, so very similar. I mean, uh, it caught everyone unaware, I think. And uh, I I was very, very happy that I happen to have an iPhone. I think any, any, it doesn't have to be an Apple device, but I was glad to have it. And I, this is my biggest tool for, for, for doing uh, online stuff. Uh, we started just with an iPhone and uh, we, we went in our church, the three of us, uh, three clergy, um, at a distance and I had the iPhone on a table on a tripod and I just turned it around to, to face whoever was talking in the liturgy. And that's the way we did it, right? We, we didn't miss a Sunday. Um, and then very early on, like the first week, 
the diocese, uh, which is uh, the collection of the parishes for, you know, across Niagara, um, which includes uh, Burlington, the diocese was trying to cobble together different resources that people could go to for different types of things. And uh, our faith uh, development uh, person at the diocese said, can you do evening prayer? And I thought, oh, okay, because like we normally do a, a Sunday morning worship. But um, I said, yeah, I can do that. And then I thought, I can do that every day, um, uh, except Friday, my one day off. <laughs> so, uh, so it's been, uh, I've been doing an evening prayer, uh, just a 20 minute evening prayer every single uh, day, except Friday and all of our Sunday worship. The, like, like you, uh, Rabbi Wise, the, uh, the numbers were phenomenal. We were getting more hits uh, than we ever had in-person attendance. We we're getting hits from overseas. Uh, you know, so lots of people were logging in. I think the need was there, you know, uh, like you, we're, we're a community that gathers and being together is, is, is a huge symbol of who we are. When we gather for Eucharist, uh, we share together. Um, so to do this in a virtual way was, was a real challenge, but we, we stepped up to the plate and, um, yeah, it's been it's been really amazing. It's actually we've reached many of our people who who couldn't come, like some of the aged. Now some of them don't have computers, so we're pu putting services on DVDs and taking them to nursing homes and seniors residences and stuff. Um, and it, it's not 100% coverage, but it is way more than we ever have had in the past. It's not the same, but it is meeting the need, I think, uh, for many people, so. Um, I, I mean, we, Rabbi Wise, you, you mentioned at the, at the start about how when this pandemic hit, you know, it's a global catastrophe, a global emergency, and, and when something of that size and scope uh, hits us, you know, we, we, we do try and go towards our, our synagogues, our churches, that, that our faith community to kind of sustain us and, and get us through it, and I always thought that the the kind of the insidious nature of this disease was that it took that away from us. We weren't able to go to our communities and our friends and family and and support and and kind of get that that spiritual nourishment that we that we sometimes depend on for the, things like this. And I, I'm wondering if maybe you can <clears throat> excuse me uh, 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 touch upon just how what the response has been from from your congregations uh, to to try and and I guess you know I'm going to use the word pivot into 2020 and and adapt to uh to to the times uh, Rabbi Wise why, why don't you start us off you know I remember after I yeah after I did my first service I remember the one of my congregants uh, called me right after he's like Rabbi it was great the way you put it online but I um if you don't mind, I have some some ideas for you. Let's let's meet on Monday in your office, and I can go over it. I'm like, oh, it's so nice, you know. And he comes in, he's like, okay, your camera's awful. I'm gonna give you a brand new camera, okay? This is a Logitech, blah blah blah. I'm gonna plug it in, okay? What are you using for a microphone? I'm like, I don't have a microphone. He's like, all right, here's a microphone. Now, you, you, you know, you're uh, what are you doing for internet? I mean, I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm you know, I'm on my Wi-Fi. He's like, no, 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 no. Here's a wire. It's a hundred feet long. You're gonna plug it into your thing. You plug it. All right, I want to. He's like, and then he's like, okay, I got this tripod. For, I mean, he had all these things like, this is my business. And if you're going to do this, we got to do it right. So he was very, you know, he didn't, he didn't criticize too much. He just said, let me, let me give you the tools to make sure you can do it right. Uh, you know, so we learned a lot those early days. 
Um, and, and the community, like that's, I guess, an example of, of the community kind of uh, rallying together, like, um, you know, providing the, the structural needs. When we decided over the summer that we were ready to come back into the synagogue and um, broadcast it live, we needed a lot of technological know-how and tools, which I didn't know anything about. And so one generous congregant said, listen, I would like to put some money towards this so we can do it right. He's like, I want you to stand on the Bima, which is our raised platform. He's like, I want you to pretend that you are gonna record this. What are the tools that you want? Like, just dream it up. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I want a camera right over there and I want a camera right in front of me. I guess I'm pointing, we're in a podcast, but I'm pointing up in the sky You know, I want the sky view. I want, but I want the intimacy. Like I want a camera right near me. I want people to feel like they're in the room with me. They're not like watching a show, watching the synagogue show. I don't like that because that's that's been out there for a couple of years. Some of these, especially synagogues that are a little bit bigger and have maybe bigger budgets, uh, you know, they have that technology where you can just like, you're peering in on a show and, and that's good. That's that's step one. But I'm like, if, if we're gonna do it right, I want it to be as intimate as this, as this conversation is. I want it to be like feeling like they're in the room with me as close as possible. So the right cameras in the right places. Then I said, you know, when I'm at home and on, on my phone or my computer, I see everyone's face. But if I'm standing on the Bima and I can't see everyone's face, I'm gonna feel like I'm alone and I'm just talking into nothing because there might not be people in the room or there'll be five people and then a hundred people online. So, I, so I'm like, I want, I want uh, right in front of me, a monitor. I want it built in to this table without everyone's face on it. They're like, okay, we can do that. And, and I was like, and also I don't want to touch any of the technology while I'm praying. I want to pray. I want someone else sitting over there in the corner with all, you know, got all the tech ready to go and he's pushing the buttons and I can just say, Hey, turn the page, you know? And oh, oh, also I want the prayers on a screen so that everyone can watch the prayers beside me. And I don't have to say page numbers because I hate saying page numbers. I just want everything to flow. So, you know, I asked for the moon and, and they, and they delivered, we pulled things together. And I think that's, you know, I, what I want um, in your question about like, how do we, how do people remain connected? I wanted there to, to have that feeling of intimacy, even though we're looking at each other on screens. And I do that, like, for example, when I start my service, I say hi to everybody. I don't care how many people are in the room. I say Shabbat Shalom. And I wait for them. I say, hey, uh, Eleanor, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Rabbi. And then I just go one by one through every box on my screen. And so everyone feels like they're there. And there are other prayers in our service where um, there's a lot like a call and response, right? I'm sure that's that's the same in Christianity and other uh, prayer groups. There's there's moments where like it's a very big honor to say a certain prayer, like when we're doing our tour reading. So I'm like, I, I open it up and I and I have the same kind of back and forth with people, no matter where they are, sitting in an armchair, sitting at a table, uh, the stand. I had people in a car, hopefully stop, but they're you know they're they're zooming in and they're they're part of the service. I I want it to be the service show. I want it to be that. That real connection, and and that's something I really strove to do. And I think from what I'm hearing from the other people is that we've we've really uh, managed to to do that. And 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 like with Stuart, as you were saying, I think that's why we're the numbers are remaining uh, high in terms of participation. And, and do you think the, these are things that will, uh, Stuart, directing this at, at you? Do you think these are things that you know when when we get back to normal, when everybody's had the vaccine or whatever? 
these are things that you may ca carry on, uh, you may keep doing to some degree, or do you think? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. This has been, uh, you know, a kick in the rear <laughs> to get us into, into technology that we should have been doing a long time ago. Uh, I, you know, there's always the balance between uh, the intimacy thing, which I, I really agree with Stephen about it, to just have a just a static picture of you know watching from from afar so so that is 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 a challenge and i think we can get better at it but we likewise had a parishioner who had all kinds of know-how and we got people through some money to get a, also a logitech it's probably the same camera <laughs> it zooms and pans you know it's like just incredible and a, tri a tripod and so we've been doing that um and the other thing that we introduced we we did it as a um uh, a YouTube, so it isn't Zoom, um, but there's uh, our organist also, it, it, when we did it that way, we could produce some pretty good music, um, which is really hard to do. Uh, yeah, it, it's hard to do with individuals on Zoom. You have to kind of do it in advance. And so um, uh, our organist, uh, Jennifer Goodine, uh, plays the organ for all the verses of all the hymns sends it by email to all of her choristers. Wow. They listen with an ear pod in so, so that they can hear, but it's not going to be picked up on their mic. They record their voice singing their particular part and send her the email back. And then she stitches it all together oh and getting it all lined up. And we've got four part harmony. Um, the choir has never sounded better. <laughs> You can uh, you, you can do One amazing things, things do. with fi fixing the one person who's out of tune, you know. <laughs> well, that, you got it, and and the one who sings a little too loud, yeah, tune them down a bit, you know. But uh, perfectly balanced choir. So I mean, we've been able to 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 do that. We also got readers from home reading one of the lessons, and so it'll be going along with us in the, in the church, and then it'll cut to someone reading from home or playing their violin from home or doing something else from home. And then we finish up with um, a Zoom coffee hour uh, at 11. And we also, we also introduced the safest uh, actual physical communion that you can imagine. Outdoors, wear masks, sanitize the hands between everyone receiving. It's only a few people who take us up on that, but some people really did miss, like for eight months, there was no even physical communion. So we do do that. It's outdoors and uh, everyone's masks, et cetera. And they're only there for a minute to receive community. Then they go home to watch the, to join the Zoom coffee hour. So we've, um, we decided not to reopen for in-person service. So the only thing we do is that one communion uh, distribution. Um, and as I say, it's done, done exceedingly safely and only about 10 or 12 people take us up on that. Most people are just happy uh you know participating in the service from home i'll see them in the, the were I, I don't know what the, the current regulations are for our bit of halton um but uh certainly a few weeks ago i think you, there was a it was up, up to 50 but and different um i know different denominations different religions have taken different approaches to this mm -hmm. um uh st luke's didn't reopen and I, I know I, I know from speaking to you a couple of weeks ago that that was you know partly because you have a significant number of older people in yeah. the congregation who are obviously at high risk uh rabbi wise how, how has your um uh, synagogue dealt with that same question you know well 
there were some controversial moments over the summer when we debated whether to open up or not. Um, in fact, one or two families left because we did open. Uh, the vast majority did want to open. One family was like, it's, it's too dangerous. My response was, everyone has to make their own decision. And um, we're, if we're within the guidelines set by our government uh, and we feel comfortable doing it, not everyone has to come. That was sort of my understanding. I think that was a bit of an outlier. I'd say 99% of the congregants were um, open to the to this idea. So we, you know, we went through all the precautions. We wrote up documents. We had like a task force. The COVID cabinet at one point uh, got together. And, um, and yeah, so we had bar bat mitzvahs, including my own daughter. So my daughter who was supposed to have the bat mitzvah, which is the coming of age ceremony for a 13 year old uh, young Jewish adult. It was supposed to be in uh, May. So first in March, we were like, okay, it's May, you know, this, this will be way over by, you know, by May. So no problem. So, <laughs> so we're like, let's just keep everything in place, all deposits with, you know, tell everyone to hang on. And then as we got into April and we're like, this is not good. So we rescheduled for October. We said for sure by October, everything will be fine. Um, and then by October, we noticed obviously what was happening. So we did um, these in-person bar bat mitzvah ceremonies during our regular Saturday Shabbat morning services. And they were, they, we, we had to limit, as you said, I think it was, um, even though 30% of capacity for our building would have been closer to 70 or 80 people, we just capped it at 50. And we had uh, the chairs set up in the room with tape around them, like groups of chairs, all six feet apart. We had measuring tape. We had like a guy come in and measure it out. We opened up the doors so there'd be airflow. And we did, um, you know, the safety glass up on the, you know, we did all those, all those things. And, um, and that way we were, they were doing it online and in person for, we did that for a lot of the fall. And for my daughter, it was, it was pretty neat. Like we, you know, we put up the link to everyone around the world who couldn't come. My sister lives in New Zealand and couldn't come. And uh, some people who, uh, you know, just didn't feel comfortable coming in, that was fine. But she had her closest friends and we had most of our family there who were able to, and, and it worked out pretty amazing. I mean, my daughter says, you know, she'll never forget it. Uh, it was you know, looking out, seeing masks and, and all kinds of things. But but the fact that we pulled it off and, and you know, it was a, one of those October days where, you know, where it gets cold, but all of a sudden, like, there's a sunny day and you're like, wow, like, it, it was middle of October and it was like a perfect, like, 12 or 13 degrees, sunny. And after the service, we went outside, we'd hand, we we prepared packages for people to leave with, like, a luncheon, because normally we'd have a luncheon in the building. And we had these ready to go for people to leave. No one wanted to leave. So we set up tables in the parking lot and it was this beautiful sunny day. And we have these amazing pictures of us sitting outside and, and, and like sort of celebrating uh, all spread out and, and managing to do that. Um, so that, that worked out pretty good. Um, you know, Stuart, you said something interesting about how he decided to add on like a one night a week, uh, one every night that, that prayer, you know, uh, we've, I feel like I've unleashed the beast of, uh, you know, <laughs> what else, Rabbi, what else can you do for us? You know, so, so I did something. So my, my wife runs our religious school. We meet, you know, after school and on Sundays. Um, and uh, we, you know, couldn't have school all through uh, uh, April, March, April into May. And we always, at the end of the year, we have like, this, like an end of the year religious school party, you know, like most schools, end of year party. And for the past couple of years, we, we actually had a, an ice cream truck come to the synagogue and the kids come outside, everyone gets an ice cream. So I said to her, you know, 
what if we we could still get an ice cream truck like that's that's totally kosher like we'll just you know have the truck you know we looked at logistically it was like impossible and like through the roof expensive and i'm like what if we're the ice cream truck like we we just pack up our car with ice cream in like coolers and then we just drive around <laughs> to everyone's house and give them an ice cream and so we we like okay you know i mean why not so so we we bought all the ice cream we there's this app you can use now where you plug in like 50 addresses and it gives you a route and um oh wow halton is big the jewish it's the only synagogue in the whole region so it's it's a quite a wide area i mean we were in ancaster and we were in hamilton and then wow. we were in like north burlington you know and then into milton and then all the way through burlington south Burlington, you know and then all the way through east west oakville and then even into uh, parts of Mississauga, it took, I think we left at like eight in the morning and we didn't get home to, I think eight at night. Like it was like the craziest day, but we managed to stop at every home where there are kids and gave them an ice cream, we got a picture and we signed on our cards oh. and like rabbi's ice cream truck. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, but, but I, I'm worried, like every time you do something really awesome like that, you're like, wait a second, what are they going to expect of me next? I mean, <laughs> 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 now um going as we go into sort of 2021 do you think uh, have you uh, either of you sort of felt there are there are lessons that we should be learning as um uh, either as members of, of faith groups or just generally as as a society at large that 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 this year has has uh, taught us um Stuart, let's uh, start with you yeah okay lessons i mean uh the story is uh, this is a global pandemic uh, uh this has hit absolutely every community in the world as far as i know um uh i think one of the lessons for me i i've been connecting with people around the world through through uh, the internet through zoom or facebook or whatever uh all as i say there are people logging into our services or watching them from all over. Um, so one of the, the lessons for me, I mean, it's not new, uh, but we have a, a pretty uh, good social safety net here in Canada. Um, the government has stepped to the plate. It's going to cost a fortune um, and, and, and we'll be paying it for it for years to come. And we need, as good citizens, we need to do that with a smile on our face and gratefulness in our hearts, I believe. Um, we've been, you know, uh, many people have been saved from the very, very worst uh, of misery, but it's not so in many, many uh, places of the world. So um, I've been trying to reach out to uh, some communities, just dropping a bucket kind of thing um, through, uh, through trying to support them uh, you know, the evening prayer that I do every evening, there's a little link to donate to a, a GoFundMe, which uh, has, has uh, helped to get food and medicine to some communities in India and South America and stuff. So I think really um, we need to, I think the lesson for me is that we really are a global community too. And we've got to find better ways of supporting uh supporting humankind in a global way so i think there's been all kinds of lessons learned i think that i think that there has been plenty of generosity um there's been some horror stories too but uh there's the stories of generosity and reaching out uh 
I mean, are, are, are really heartwarming, but it's gotta be more than just, you know, it's gotta be more than, um, um, you know, the bare minimum. We've, we've got to work towards uh, supporting each other at a global level. Actually, I mean, Joel and I were, were kind of speaking about this uh, the other day and that, you know, obviously the, the, the speed with which vaccines, a multitude of vaccines have been developed is, is astonishing and, and I guess a testament to, to where we are in terms of technology and research and, and all those things, but also a, a testament to a global response to a, to a global crisis, I guess, um, that researchers and scientists from all kinds of different backgrounds. Um, I know two of the, the key uh, researchers in the first vaccine, I believe, were, were immigrants from uh, Turkey um, uh, to, to the United States. Um, so uh, yeah, it's that kind of uh, global response, I think is, is quite interesting. Uh, Rabbi Wise, what, what, uh, um, what would have been the less the main lessons you've you've taken from this year? I think I, I'm thinking on a both on a, on a personal level and a, and a communal level. Uh, on a personal level, um, I you know I have three kids and we are busy all the time. They are we're running around. I'm working hard. My wife's working hard. The kids they're going off to hockey. This that and the other. And uh, all of a sudden it like was like, wow, we're, it's so slow. Like the pace just dropped to a snail's pace. It just dropped like so many commitments that you think you have to do, you don't really have to do. And I, I heard that from a lot of my friends and, and members of my community that like, we realized you could just spend some time not doing, not running around. And um, that's a lesson that I've, I've really taken to heart to try and, uh, you know, my kids just say, oh, you know, you're home more for dinner or, um, yeah, you know, this summer we like, we rented an RV and we just took a little road trip and it was great. My kids usually go to camp. Listen, my kids have great activities and they see their friends and, you know, as best they can, but it's been just, uh, it's been a real eye opener to just chill a little bit, to relax and not feel like you got to run around and do things all the time. And, and um, so I remember reading about how like the, the environment, like the world, like the, the smog cleared up for a couple months over the world. And, you know, we, we, we yeah, saw yeah. clean water and air and, you know, we're just, you know, that, that it's like a reset, you know, and, and I don't think, I don't say in a bad way, because I know I've read the news, but the, the great reset and there's like, it's a political hot potato now. But no, I think the idea of, 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 of kind of reevaluating where you are, what you're doing, um, and, and looking at that's one and I think for me personally and and I've managed to reconnect with people uh, in this way like zoom chats with like alumni from my master's program in Boston you know 20 years ago or from uh, some friends and we went on this trip and we like always oh, oh we can't get together and we're like wow we could zoom together it doesn't you know it doesn't matter where we are we could be one guy's in Arizona one guy's in LA one guy's in Florida one guy's in Indianapolis um, especially uh, Mr. Stewart can relate, you know, you go to school with uh, a lot of people, you, learn, you become a pastor, a, ca a cantor, a rabbi, a clergy, a canon, whatever, and then you're spread out all over the place and you never get to see each other. And I have been, and, and I've even been able to zoom in to my friend's kids' bar bat mitzvahs that I normally wouldn't have been able to either. And that's been a real eye-opener because everyone's getting this technology going. So I guess that's that's been a, a positive mm -hmm. for me personally. It's 
it's kind of that that dichotomy of, of 2020 i guess that for years we we're told that all this technology is bad for us and you know we need to step away from our phones and tablets and computers and converse and then 2020 hits and we're that's that social dynamic is taken away from us and how do we replace it we go to our computers our ipads and our iphones to get back that social uh aspect that's that's been taken away from us um you know it's just that's the kind of year year it's been i, I suppose but I, I i really do appreciate what both of you are saying and the kind of the macro and the micro perspectives on mm -hmm. on kind of what matters most and i think the 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 common theme between both of your, your points there is it's the human level. It's that, that you know, how, how do we look at our common humanity across uh, faith, race, economic mm -hmm. uh, backgrounds and, and whatnot? How do, how do we help each other out? Hopefully, you know, 2021 might be a bit of a, you know, a change in perspective, I, I hope, uh, for, for a great deal, many of us around the world. I hope so, Joel. I just want to do a little plug uh, for something that both Stephen and I have been involved in, and that is One Burlington. <laughs> so One Burlington is getting together all the different faiths, including the imam and the rabbis and all the many Christians, Baha'i, etc. And it's uh, something that we've been doing uh, for years now. Um, and we're going virtual. We've gone virtual. So um, we've been doing virtual things, and we will continue to do that. So I think in Burlington, in Burlington, there is a big uh, desire among the people for us to work together and to 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 recognize our common humanity, no matter what our faith. Right. Um, but that we 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 do all of us somehow believe in 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 a creator who um, who who we can draw upon, uh, no matter the mechanics of our faith. So um, that's one thing that we continue to do. So uh, well, I I think that's a that would be a great note to uh, to leave it on. I, I do have one question for both of you just before we log off. Um, it says today, the date of recording this is the third day of Hanukkah, uh, Rabbi Wise. This will be aired on the eighth day uh, of Hanukkah. I, I, would you mind just telling our listeners what your congregation is doing for Hanukkah? And then once you're finished, I'm going to throw it over to uh, 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 Stuart and ask what's, uh, what are the plans for, for Christmas? Hmm. Uh, Rabbi Wise, take it away. Thank you. Yeah, Hanukkah is just a lot of fun. And I, you know, we've, we've embraced this uh, technology to do all kinds of neat things. So like last night, the synagogues, the reform synagogues from across Canada put together our own version of Saturday Night Live. And we had comedy, we had, we told stories, we had music, it was like a whole variety show. And uh, we pre-recorded, pulled it all together and, and broadcast it across the country. And we had uh, close to a thousand people log on, which was just phenomenal. I'd never seen anything like it. So that was pretty neat. Um, and we're trying to do, you know, exciting things like that each night. I had a, a woman in my congregation, we, I had her live making latkes and like pouring the oil and she's like, this is my mom's recipe for her grand my grandmother. And she's like squeezing out the potato, chopping it up and throwing it on the saucepan. And uh, so we have fun stuff like that. I got a, I got a good friend in um, on Monday night who's uh, out in Calgary. He runs, uh, he owns a, one of the biggest wind farms in maybe in the world, but definitely the biggest in Canada. He's been on the cutting edge of green energy. Um, and, uh, and, and it ties into ecology because uh, 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 some, you know, part of the themes of Hanukkah are to sort of celebrate um, 
uh, are not relying on oil. I'm sort of flipping the, the script, you know? So I was like, mm -hmm. how could we not rely on oil, even though it's an oil-based holiday? So we kind of, I'm, I'm bringing him in to sort of have some fun with that. Uh, we're having the great dreidel spinoff. I think that's Wednesday night. We're going to have like a, <laughs> gonna, I don't know, compete and throw the dreidels around and spin and get some kids on there and have some fun games. So like, I was like, you know what? Each night, everyone's going to be home. Let's just have seven o'clock. Let's all get online and I'm going to create something fun. And uh, we're doing it. So, um, you know, we kind of been making the most of it. Uh, this morning at 12, I was on with my family who lives in Israel seven hours ahead. So they were about to light. So we got all our family here connecting together on the Zoom boxes, you know, just kind of watching them light. So, you know, we wouldn't have done that a year ago. Actually, I was in Israel a year ago on Hanukkah with them face to face, which is clearly better. But, but in, you know, <laughs> when I don't get to visit them, you know, years can go by. I don't see anybody. And here we are now, we're like an annual tradition where we do see each other like that. So that's been kind of cool. So, um, yeah, we're right in the middle of Hanukkah. We're going right through, pushing through till uh, Thursday night will be the eighth night. And it's been, um, so far, it's been a lot of fun and uh, really enjoying it. Fantastic. So we're, we're, we're blessed, you know, we're part of a diocese, uh, which extends the whole Niagara Peninsula, goes all the way up to Dundalk and uh, north of Orangeville. So it's, it's a fairly large area. So there are some resources across the diocese. And um, there is one church uh, in, in the diocese that is probably world famous for its, its singing, and that's St. John's Alora. So they are doing a nine lessons, a very traditional nine lessons and carol service. So uh, we're pointing our people to that. That's this next Sunday, the 20th at 7 p.m. If you want to go, you can, you can, you can log in. Um, you have to register in advance by, by Tuesday. Uh, it's free. Um, but uh, so we're, we're doing some of that. So we may as well just use the technology to get some really good music. Um, there's also a diocesan um, Christmas play, like a pageant uh, for the kids, which will be happening on, on uh, Christmas Eve at noon. And then we're doing our own thing, our music with our music director and other musicians. Um, and it's all, it's all uh, done safely, you know. Um, so we'll be doing a, a kind of a Christmas carol service with, with you, Chris. And, uh, and then on, on uh, uh, Christmas Day, uh, we'll just do a, a very, very simple reading of the, of the Christmas story and a short reflection. And then we're going to do that distribution of communion for those who want it on Christmas morning at 10 a.m. And there'll probably be small numbers for that, but it's it's making the connection. So uh, yeah, we're using the technology to get, I think, an even broader experience of Christmas. Um, so Well, it, it sounds like you guys are still having the, the right spirit and the right uh, right perspective for, uh, for the month of December. Um, I'll leave it there. And thank you, both of you, for coming on to the podcast. We wish you uh, a very happy Hanukkah and a very Merry Christmas. Uh, and a happy holiday to anyone in between. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yes. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. It's been an honor to be here and to be speaking with uh, Stephen and, and, and uh, Roland and Joel. Oh, thank, you so thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. 
visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.